Buenas. Welcome back to Film Posers for Boricuas ranting, raving, and reviewing cinema. Today, we'll be talking about our John Wick versus Kingsman franchise war, and our moderator will be Juan Mojica. Take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. And today, we are going to settle a very intense debate. And where did this debate start from? I'm glad you asked. Well, this debate started thanks to a chaotic tweet, thanks to film poser Josie, where she began to run polls that really affected, you know, important situations that weren't being talked about on film Twitter. Like, for example, if Godfather 2 is a better film than Shrek 2. Short answer, it's not. But this tweet involves John Wick and Kingsman, which is the superior film series. Now, we have Team Josie and Team Gabriela. Ladies, present your opening cases, please. We'll start with Gabriela. Hello, everyone. My name is Gabriela, and I am a John Wick stan. We know. To the surprise of no one, if you know me and follow the podcast. So yes, I am Team John Wick for many reasons. Even though I love Kingsman, I consider John Wick to be superior for reasons that we will be discussing later on. So if what is John Wick, in case you are unaware? So John Wick stars Keanu Reeves, the love of my life, in case you don't know that. Never <laughs> and it would have follows- guessed. <laughs> we have a Keanu Reeves episode, if you're interested in listening. Anyway, so John Wick is about a man named John Wick, obviously. And he is a retired assassin who comes out of retirement when a group of assassins kill his dog. So he decides to avenge the death of his dog, as one does. And so obviously that creates a domino effect that exposes a much larger conspiracy against him in this underground world of assassins. And it's filled with action, incredible stunts, and great cinematography, and just a lot of great stuff. So, yes, Team John Wick. All right. And now, Josie, what are your opening remarks? Team Kingsman would like to take the floor. So, hello. My name is Josie, and I am presenting a case for Kingsman, which I love John Wick, but I also love Kingsman more just because it has great cinematography action and stunts but it also just pulls at your heartstrings at a deeper level <laughs> so what is kingsman you ask the franchise consists it's like in a british american film franchise with action comedy films kingsman a fictional street secret service organization based on the comic book series of a same name created by mark miller and dave gibbons and it follows Taryn egerton's character eggsy as he goes from a boy on the streets who lost his father to the war to a kingsman and his journey getting there as well with the help of harry played by colin firth who i mean how can hello colin firth come on he has rights yes all right and with that we are going to go into each round now with each round the posers will be taking a vote and at the end of the episode we will have a tally, and this tally will represent the final decision of who is the superior film brand. 
So let's get into round one. Are we ready? I will crush you, Kingsman. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> As it says to quote Billy Kay on my headshot and resume, I am a perfect candidate to be the referee of this debate. Now, let's get into it. The story. A story is a very vital and important part of any film, specifically an action film that is planning to be a franchise. Now, John Wick and Kingsman clearly differ from the stories, but I want to know what part of the story makes each of these brands not only important, but different from every other action film series. Gabriela, take the floor. So one of my arguments for John Wick is the fact that it is not a mindless action film. You know, how some action films decide to focus solely on like the violence and the people dying and all of that just for the sake of it because it, it's just an action film. While in John Wick, there is actually a really good story behind it and you know all of the characters well enough that by the time the film ends you actually did care about them so we learn a lot about john but not just john we learn more about the villain vigo we learn more about vigo's son who was the one that killed the dog you know we learn a lot about all of the people in john's life so the story it's not the typical revenge story because most revenge stories are about you know a significant other a family member or you know an important person in the main character's life well here it's about a dog i've never seen that before i've never seen anyone go full-on haywire on other people because they killed their dog and it's a good story because who wouldn't go full-on on a murder spree when their dog is killed i think john wick is relatable because of that and I think it had a really good balance between the story and the action because none of the action feels as if it's taking, you know, time away from the story. It had a good balance. So it's an engaging story, very easy to follow along, and it goes up to par with the action. That is my main argument. Okay. Josie, take the floor. So I wholeheartedly agree. Because the reason I like the John, John Wick films is because it's one of the few films where, like, it's one of the few action films where there's actually a story. So I am a huge fan of, like, John Wick 1 and John Wick 2 especially. So I did want to give it that. As for Kingsman, what I like about it is that it has layers. Um, It deals a lot with lost people the same way that john wick does because eggsy himself i mean he lost his father to the war and then it leads into the whole found family trope but getting there we see how he's running the streets and just wreaking havoc as this bratty teenager just like acting out and slowly making his way to becoming a man so it's also the story of like it's almost a coming of age story but it weaves action in in the best ways also it's it's been praised so much for its originality as well. Its source material is so strong and also commending it because uh, one of the writers is a woman. <laughs> so a little like cherry point there. 
but especially I think for me it's just the whole concept again about layers it has the story of the Eggsy but then it also deals with the politics of it all it deals with fatherhood it deals with that found family again it also is about teamwork and the price you pay for having to sacrifice a lot which John Wick loses his his dog for one reason but then we also have to see here how dogs are affected in a different way which we're gonna get into later but yes like an onion it has layers all right now Anna since you and I are just the general consensus we are the unbiased group of this debate we should give our general input so I'll start it off while I can appreciate what John Wick has brought to the table and has done for action films it has changed the game and elevated it to the point where now other action films will be compared to John Wick and either they step it up or they're forgotten. I have to commend Kingsman for changing the spy genre and revitalizing it and basically rebooting it because before you thought of a spy movie and your first thought is usually James Bond, all 25, 27, 57 of those films. And right away, Kingsman not only changed the game by revitalizing the spy film it also stepped it up with the comedy the action it showed you you could have a story you can have incredible action scenes etc all of that fit into this one story that you wouldn't even have thought was going to be a sequel until it was successful so from my part i think that the story kingsman provides in terms of the journey, in terms of how different it is towards another spy film and how much better it is than a couple other spy films, I may want to side with Kingsman more just because of how it elevated the game. With no disrespect to John Wick, but I do kind of see myself more on that side. Anna, where do you stand? So first of all, I just want to say that Gabriela and Josie has brought good points with each of the films. Now, as for John Wick, yeah, I agree with Gabriela. It's an easy story to follow. And I also like how in the first film, it just it was a simple story. Okay. You didn't you didn't expect that there was gonna be more. So it ended as a okay, just a full movie, like one movie only. And I really appreciate how John Wick ex- extended their story with the Continental. And honestly it is interesting. Um also, how has John Wick elevated the action movie genre? Also, that people are starting to notice more the stunt coordination and people that do those kind of things. Now, when it comes to story-wise, I feel that it could be a bit more simple than Kingsman. Like Josie said, I feel that Kingsman also has some layers to it. I liked how it has brought back the spy genre. I like how it has comedy. It, the story actually come like, entertains me. Like it has different stuff that I found interesting. So for me, Kingsman has a little bit more of sabor <laughs> when it comes to the story. However, John Wick is just simple. And each movie is just like the progression of a whole like a couple of days. Which I kind of like that. But at the same time, I want to see more. I want to see layers in a story. So 
I give this to um Kingsman. Hooray for layers! <laughs> so as of right now, if you're keeping score, it seems that round one is going to Kingsman with Josie, Ina, <laughs> and Huang on a three-to-one scale. Yay! I have to say I agree. Like the Kingsman storyline does have more layers than John Wick. So I agree. Yay! Now it's going to be all downhill from here. <laughs> oh, so you're changing your vote. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm... I'm just saying that I agree with what you're saying. Because like, I think, of course, I'm going to go with Kingsman just because it just... I resonate with it a lot more. But again, I will say, I think the best thing about the John Wick films is that it's not just senseless violence for the sake of violence. There is a story to it, which I think that people need to start taking note because there's a reason the John Wick franchise has been able to go on for so long, even though it is a simple story. It's because they write a good story. So I do give it that. And I hope people take note. (laughs) Absolutely stunning. So now we're going to round two. And round two... It's going to get really interesting. England versus New York on a worldwide scale. That's right. We're talking world building. Now, world building is also very important to a franchise because you can't just stay in one location. You need to expand. You need to stamp that passport. You need to give us experiences. And you need to step it up in international locations. That's how it sometimes gets done. Now, Gabriela went first last round. It's only fair that Josie kicks us off this time. So Josie, tell us about the world building in Kingsman. So with world building, let me start off by saying that I find it very interesting how the Kingsman franchise starts in Europe and then it migrates to the United States while the John Wick franchise does the opposite. It starts in the United States and then it migrates to Europe. So I love that those parallels and that mirroring between both franchises. For Kingsman... I really like how, at least for me, it feels like a made-up world within our own. Kind of like when you watch a Marvel movie, it is our world, but it feels otherworldly in a sense. Not to talk about world so much, but let's throw it in. (laughs) But yeah, it does feel, it does have that otherworldly charm, while John Wick is a lot more grounded. One aspect very specific for this one that I do want to mention is Poppy World in the Kingsman 2 movie, which I know that Kingsman 2 is not the favorite of so many people, but I think what it does very well is, again, that expansion of the world that we're living in and how they went to a greater scale when it came to presenting their setting. Because the first one was very tame because, I mean, um, it was more about training and story and character. But the second one, they took a lot more risk in terms of, again, that expansion. So I commend them for that. Gabriela, to quote JLo, get on the floor. <laughs> so I believe that while Kingsman did expand in the second film, John Wick did something that was better. And it is that in the first film, when we see you know the continental we like it we are led to believe that you know it is just like this you know underground assassin circle in new york but then by the time we reach the second film they go to italy and there's the italian continental so it's like oh so like this assassin thing is worldwide it's not just reserved but to New York. And then in the third one, we see the Moroccan continental. So they're in Africa as well. 
So we learn more about the Continental and how it expands. And we also learn that there's different levels of power. We are introduced to the high table in the second film. And in the third one, we see that, that there's someone even higher than the high table. And we also see, you know, the how the blood oath works. Because in the second one, when the Italian assassin comes to John Wick, trying to reclaim his favor, and it's because they assassins make these blood oaths that are unbreakable. So we get to see more about how this world works, that it's just not like your typical assassin, you know, circle or whatever you want to call it. It is so much more, and it spreads worldwide. And I think that the franchise has done a very good job in terms of, you know, building up what it what this world is and what John Wick's world is and how it is not as simple as we were led to believe in the first film. All right, Anna, let's break it down. What do you think of the world building in both of these films? Whose side are you on? Okay, so in Kingsman, I I liked that in the first film, we already got a little bit of the world building. However, I really liked how John Wick slowly transitioned the world building in each of the films. Like, we got New York first, then we got Italy, then we got Morocco. And I like how in the first film, just like, it's a little sparkle of what's going to happen because they weren't sure if there wasn't going to be a second one. So when they introduced the Continental in the second one, it's like, hold up, this is more, this is like a bigger situation that it already was in the first one. So I like the progression of that world building. And honestly, I was more interested and felt more interested in that world building than Kingsman. I feel that in John Wick, it's just it's a slow progression that you, you like get amazed by, and it's interesting. And I just like you just want to keep knowing more about that kind of story. But in Kingsman, it's we already got it with the first one, and in the second one, it's just kind of progresses and I feel I just really like how on John Wick we get bits and pieces in from each film and there's more to it so I'm gonna give this one to John Wick all right so I found the world building in the John Wick franchise to be interesting I love the international locations I thought that was a very smart move I really liked how they built up the continental because I agree with Anna I was intrigued by the continental world building. I liked how mysterious it was. I liked how this wasn't just a New York thing. This was a global situation. And it really made you wonder, well, shit, could there be a continental in Puerto Rico and we don't know about it? I mean, I doubt it, but hey, who's to say at this point? Um, however, what I like about the Kingsman world building, yes, the first one, it sets up the entire location and it really does a lot with England. And it really, when it comes to how you saw the Kingsman base, you saw how they went through training, you saw their first mission, you saw how Valentine was going through all of these locations trying to get his, you know, plot to work. And in the second one, like Josie mentioned, Poppy World, I really loved Poppy World. I thought Poppy World was a really cool idea. I like the fact that a villain made her own lair 50s inspired because that's what she was like into instead of just a regular villain's lair of like 
oh, crystal glass building. Uh, you're going to have guards surrounding each floor. Like, no, this is just Poppy World. It's hidden. It's pretty fucking cool. And if you haven't seen the second one, I'm not going to spoil you who's there. But the person that they have there is also like, shit, you kidnapped this person. I would visit Poppyland to see this person there. So I'm, again, leaning towards Kingsman because I think it's more, for me, like a level of what I enjoyed more. Because I can agree that both of them, world-building-wise, are very well done. And both of them do bring new elements to their respective genres. I'm giving it to Kingsman because it made me want to be like, okay, you have Kingsman, you have Statesman. Who else you got? Like, it left room to expand upon. I feel like with John Wick, yes, there is room to expand upon. But... It made me also wonder, can they pull that off? I know there's a fourth and a fifth one coming, and I'm sure they will, but for right now, as of after rewatching them, I go with Kingsman. Yeah, I do want to say, I think if I had the third Kingsman film, I would go for Kingsman, because I think they're going to expand on it more in a better way, because again, we're going to be seeing how it all started. Which country, because world building consists of the rules of the world as well. So while I do love the Kingsman films and how they set everything up, because at the end of the day, I think they're pretty equal. But I'm going to go with John Wick because I think the Continental is really damn cool, specifically in the second one. The second one is the one that gets me. Yes. And I also forgot to mention how the rules of the Continental are also established and we see the consequences of it because the main rule is that no business can be conducted on Continental grounds. And that is something very important that plays a key part in the second film. So I love how we also get to see the consequences of you breaking the rules in this world. Yeah, the second one is my favorite because of that, because you never expect that to happen in a film. So I really do commend them on that ground, especially when you actually Mm -hmm. break your own rules. So I do like that. And with that, we conclude round two. World building goes to John Wick three to one. Yay! You're welcome. See, I'm a fair player. Well, once we get into it, this may change. So let's start with round three. Villains. Now, a villain can be memorable or forgettable. A good villain will always help you remember not only the franchise, but its impact. Sometimes you can even root for the villain instead of your main character. And now I would like to know... How the villains stand out in these franchises. Gabriela, let's start with you. So the villain in the first film is Vigo's son, who kills John Wick's dog. I don't think there needs to be much said about his actions. He kills an innocent and cute dog in the first film. And then, you know, by the end of the film, like the real villain is Vigo. But I still, I'm still mad at his son. For killing John Wick's dog. So by the second film. There's another villain. So there's not like a consistent villain in the films. There's a different one in in each one. But it could be considered that. The big bad of the series. Is the high table. Which is. Which are the people that are in charge of. You know the continental and all of that. So they're like the looming threat. But we don't get 
you know that we don't get that feeling that they are the big threat until this, the third film. So in terms of villains, I liked Vigo in the first film. I loved how, you know, after John Wick enacts his revenge on his son, on his son, the dog killer, Vigo is kind of like constantly, you know, consuming drugs and alcohol to like numb the pain of losing his son, which makes him more unhinged by the time the film ends. I really like that about Vigo. So in the second one, we have the Italian assassin that I forgot his name, that basically he just wanted John Wick to come back to the assassin world to enact a favor. And because John Wick refused, he blows up his house until he like he leaves John no other option than to like conduct business for him. And then obviously he betrays him. So in the third one, there's the adjudicator, which we are led to believe that they are the big bad, but they're mostly there to like make sure that business is done. So we don't actually get to see them, you know, fight one-on-one with John or anyone else. We just see them, you know, create the rules and get the people to fight John. So there's like a bunch of other assassins in the third one to fight against John and try to kill him. So in the third one, we can't really classify like an exact villain because there's many people. So I think that all of them are enjoyable. I really can't say that there was a bad one in the film, but we there's no not a set big bad. Um, I guess that maybe in the fourth and fifth film, we will get more of the high table and get to see, you know, just how threatening they are. But yeah, I like the villains. Josie, speak on the villains. So I'm going to say it from now, from this moment on, I'm going to vote for Kingsman. <laughs> And this and this one, because listen, I wrote a short story, like a short science fiction story inspired by the plots of the villains in both films. So we have Richmond Valentine played by Samuel L. Jackson. And then we have Poppy played by Julianne Moore. And what I like about these films is that they're very complex people they're not just like mustache twirling villains which you would usually get in like um um that's the stereotype that you get in the secret agent films and like the bond films and everything which have progressed from the past up till now because people love villains that have a backstory or that have a clear purpose but it makes them like how do i say it there has to be a duality you can't agree with them of course because they're the villain but you see their point and like with Samuel Jackson's character, Valentine, he was his whole thing with overpopulation. And then but it also is based on capitalism. And then Julianne Moore, who also wanted to do like the criticize the war on drugs. But it was also rooted in capitalism because she was benefiting, benefiting from it. So it's mostly these people that think they're ridding the world of like the bad kind of like a Thanos kind of figure. But in the end, it's mostly for their financial gain. And then there are also the subvillains or the henchmen who come in that are actually very fierce. And then, of course, the surprise villain in the second one, which everyone saw coming. But I still love it because, of course, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say in case you haven't seen the second film. But I mean, everyone loves this person. So, yes. <laughs> All right, let's get into the tiebreakers. Me and Anna, I'm going to kick it off. So, villains to me, if I can't really remember your villain... 
I feel there could be a problem. And unfortunately, uh, until Gabriela mentioned it, the only name I could tell you about the villain in John Wick, because I forgot their names, is the adjudicator paid by Asia Kate Dillon. I thought they did such a good job. They really kept me interested in the third film of what could happen to John Wick and how persistent they were in enforcing the rules. So I thought as a villain, they were the top villain. Um, I get Vigo and Vico's son in the first two films. I do agree that they have an impact. But again, I couldn't remember their names, which for me is a problem. And if it sticks with me, it sticks with me in a good way. Now, Kingsman, it was very easy to remember Richard Valentine, Giselle, and uh, Poppy. What I liked about both of their motives is Richard Valentine, you had him taking over the cellular the with the digital chips. And really, those digital chips were like mind controls and could basically blow up everyone in, who had one, which I thought was a really great concept for a villain. But Poppy, in this case, infected strains of drugs, in this case, marijuana, cocaine, crystal meth, crack, all of that. She infected it with this thing that turned your face and entire body blue, and it had some effects afterwards. And the way she would give out the antidote, which plays into a real-life debate on the war on drugs, was if the consumption of drugs were legalized and then became its own market where it would be taxed like alcohol. That's been a debate going on in real life for a while, and I like that Kingsman touched upon that. And it felt a little more real as a villain. And thus, it stuck with me more. And again, no shade to John Wick. I thought what they did in that film, in that film series, really good when it comes to villains. For action films that are like shoot 'em ups definitely. They did, their, they did what they had to do. But if I'm choosing based on memorability, I have to give it to Kingsman. Just because I remember their names, I remember their motives, and they stuck with me. So that's where I stand. Anna, where do you stand on villains in this franchises? I'm going to be straight up honest with the audience. (laughs) I haven't seen the second one from Kingsman, so I can't say a lot. But from what I've heard from Josie and Juan, the villain of the second one seems very interesting than the first one. Because... Kingsman, like the first villain um, that is Richard Valentine, first of all, when I saw him, I didn't took him seriously. I know it's supposed to be a gag in the movie, but I just didn't took him seriously. However, I felt that if I saw the second one, Poppy, she seems like a very, like a very sinister villain, not gonna lie. (laughs) When it comes to John Wick, yeah, John Wick doesn't have a specific villain however i feel that we can consider the high table as a villain because it keeps pushing john wick's buttons in each film and he he doesn't man he he doesn't have a breather okay so i feel like i'm i lean towards more with john wick because it's such a mysterious thing that it has that i feel obviously we're gonna see in the fourth and i think in the fifth movie 
However, I also feel that when the third movie ended, um, we saw Winston that he is going to be a villain now. And I feel that he is going to be more memorable than the other villains that have appeared on John Wick. Because it is his, it was his friend and he got betrayed. So I'm going to give this to John Wick. I'm being biased a little bit in this part because I haven't seen the second one from Kingsman. <laughs> it's okay. I did want to add that something that I really like and something that stands out is that the difference between the two is that uh, the Kingsman villains make for good commentary, social commentary and political commentary. While the difference with John Wick is that I think the villains are mostly for entertainment because it's not even really about the villains. It's just about John Wick's struggle because he just wants to live in peace in his home and they just keep bringing him out of retirement. That's the true villain. Anti-retirement. <laughs> so I like the Kingsman villains a lot. I, I really liked Poppy. And I think it was mostly due to how much fun Julianne Moore was having in the role. Like you could tell. That she was having a lot of fun playing that character. I do think that they're more memorable than John Wick. Because again, my dislike towards Vigo's son, which I call him Theon because he played Theon on Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> I just think that's the thing. Because the John Wick films don't, like, of course John Wick has his antagonists. But he mm -hmm. doesn't really... It's not a film based on villains. It's just it's just John Wick literally overcoming a, each boss level in each film like a video game. Yeah. So you know, I my dislike towards that villain, you know, my hatred towards the villain is because he killed his dog. <laughs> But yeah. So Juan announced the winner. And it's RuPaul's tie race. It's a tie with two and two. So let's go into round four. The good boys. Doggos in Cinema. Now, obviously, both of these films have their doggos stealing the show and at the center of the plot. So, Josie, talk to us about the doggos who deserve rights in Kingsman. The dogs of Kingsmen. So, fun fact, originally in this film, the dogs were supposed to die, but, you know, we don't like that. And they said that it would totally change the tone of the film. So they just uh, had the guns full of blanks. Spoiler alert. And I love how the dogs are present in the first film and the second film and how they also just play a part in the plot. It's not just for fun. And they're also it's a very good teaching tool for Eggsy as a character. And again, I mean, doggos, we love doggos. And they're also it also helps bring one character's memory back in the second film. So again. I like how it's involved in the story. It's not just thrown in there. Now, Gabriela, we know that John Wick has to do with doggos. But how good are these doggos? They are great doggos. In the first one, we have Daisy. May she rest in peace. And then by the end of this first film, he adopts the pit bull, which has remained nameless, but the, but the dog in real life is named Blue. So the fandom lovingly calls him Blue. And what I also like about Blue is that actually John rescued him when he was due to be put down. So we love an adopt don't shop moment in the John Wick films. We love to see it. And Blue has been John's constant companion throughout the hell that his life has become. <laughs> you know, he is always there for John and he is always very happy to see him come back to the Continental. 
And also in the third film, we have Halle Berry's two like German shepherds who are trained killing machines. They are the bestest boys. So I love how they have become, you know, part of the film because despite, you know, killing one dog off in the first film, in the rest of the duration of the franchise, they have become, you know, like help helpful like in the John Wick uh, in the Kingsman movies. They are, you know, companions and they also like help their owners in times of dire need. Every dog is a good dog. We should not be pinning dogs against each other. They are they are all good boys. Exactly. I think they both deserve points in this yes. round. And I also love how JB is not named after James Bond, but Jack Bauer from 24. I love that. Absolutely. So yes, I think this category should be a tie because they are all good boys. Hooray for the good boys! Well, good boy nation, this will be considered a tie because yes. we're right. All doggos deserve rights. And all doggos who help owners in their action films yes. deserve even more rights and treats. First of all, yes, I agree. This category deserves a tie. But can we talk about... Because in the third John Wick movie, we see Haley Berry's dogs. And I love how they incorporated dogs with stunt coordination. Yes. I love that. I was amazed by it. That's that seems especially oh my god. That was my first that was my favorite thing of the whole film. <laughs> Just gonna say. And we don't see that in a lot of films. So I thought it was great. Yes. I was just going to put that out there. <laughs> okay, but we also need to talk about my boy JB, the Pug. And um, he is adorable. Um, what I love about when they use JB in Kingsman is that they used him for training. And as Eggsy was supposed to be training JB, JB, Eggsy was going through his training as well. And they were both helping each other. And they become the bestest of friends. And I love that. JB is adorable, yes. So all dogs are good dogs, okay? Yeah. All dogs go to heaven. And with that, we're moving on to the next round. Sustainability. Which, to us, means rewatchability. Will people appreciate it for years to come? How will it age? I consider this to be a very important category because if a film only works as a one-off, it has to work really hard at making sure you remember it. If you can rewatch this film over and over and over again, I feel it merits a high rank because the rewatchability factor means your film will forever have an audience rather than They'll have an audience for a moment, and then maybe people will forget about it until someone brings it up later on. So, let's talk about the rewatchability factors. Let's go with Josie. So again, I'm a little biased, but it's because I love things. I rewatch mostly things for comfort, and I get how John Wick could be a comfort film for Gabriela. (laughs) But... I'm one of those people that if Kingsman is playing on the TV, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to watch it. Especially, I know people don't like watching the second one, but I like watching the second one because, of course, it has Pedro Pascal. And I love seeing Pedro Pascal's whiskey. I just love these movies. I love rewatching them, though I will say, I think the one that I love rewatching the most from the John Wick franchise, again, is uh, Chapter 2. I really like rewatching Chapter 2. 
I just like again I just like how they expand I like how intricate it becomes like they actually take risks in that second one because they've made it fast the first one they got to make a second one so there is a lot of that sabrosito <laughs> but I think this round for me is gonna go into for Kingsman but yes in conclusion I find myself watching Kingsman more times than John Wick so I think I'm just gonna have to go with the simple fact that of course I rewatch one more than the other I will say in terms of aging again I think John Wick holds a firmer place in history in rearranging a genre so I will give it that now Gabriela we know you like to rewatch the John Wick films. Hell, you have watched rewatched John Wick one like what eight times? Ten. Sorry, haven't kept up. Ten times the first film. Yeah. So you clearly are the expert in explaining why these films have a rewatchability factor from your point of view. So spill the tea, girl. I mean, I think that they're fun movies. You know, it's just a fun time because they're not that long. Like the third one is the longest that it clocks in at like and like at two hours and 10 minutes but the first two are only like an hour and 40 minutes so you know it's something you can easily watch when you just want to watch something and relax for a bit but i i also think that you know the popularity and the impact of john wick it's not only due to you know the storyline and you know all of the action that they've done but it also has to do with keanu reeves you know, he's such a beloved actor by many. And, you know, John Wick was kind of like his renaissance. So, you know, and people were very happy to ha- to see him back. So I think both franchises will be do well. You know, both will stand the, tens- the test of time. Because, again, Kingsman, like Josie said, if Kingsman is playing, I will sit down and watch it. You know, I, if e- either of them are playing, I will sit down and watch them on TV. So, Anna. Which film series would you gravitate more in terms of a rewatch? Okay, here's the thing. I believe that both are rewatchable. Curve. Pick one. Why? Why? <laughs> Why do I need to pick one? <laughs> okay, I'm taking off points for John Wick because of the close-up shots they do towards the eyes. And I have a thing about that. <laughs> Every yeah, time I they don't stab think you're rewatching someone... that film. No, I'm not. I will only rewatch the first film. Because it's not as intense in terms of the second or third one when it comes to cutting off thumbs, stabbing things in the eyes and seeing it in a close-up shot, which for me is a big no-no. I will turn off a film if I see that or if I see a dog getting killed. If I see a close-up of something going into an eye, I'm out. If I see an animal getting killed, I'm out. And yes, you can argue Kingsman has a shot like that. But it's not closed up and it's not focused on as much as John Wick does, which to me makes it a little more watchable. So for me, the rewatchability factor, I give it more to Kingsman because I will sit down like Josie says, stop what I'm doing, rewatch Kingsman because it is a fun time. And in terms of the John Wick films, I can only rewatch one of them, not three of them. So I do take off points there. So if the John Wick creators are listening, please stop putting things in eyes. I don't care if it looks cool for you. Stop stabbing people in eyes. It's not cool. We need to grow out of this phase. Anna, you have the floor. Wait, it's just that, okay, when it comes to John Wick, I see myself 
only rewatching the first one and the third one because I didn't like a lot the second one. The second Excuse one, me. I'm sorry. The second one is good. I am sorry. I found myself hitting pause a lot in this movie. Okay. <laughs> also, real quick, Gabriela, you said the first two are an hour and forty minutes, and Miss Thing, the second one is two hours. Oh, it the clocks. second one is two hours? The second one clocks in at two hours. Well, and you I'm feel sorry. it. You feel the second one. Okay. I, honestly, you do. <laughs> I know John Wick's Italian adventure hits for some people, but... <laughs> some people some being people. me. <laughs> hey, the second film has the pencil scene, and that's iconic. Uh, my lawyer will contact so you about that. Okay, that scene, they were like, you know what? We're going to give you that. Yeah. Because oh, they yeah, mention it in the first one. The first one, you can see it happen, and it's like yes. However, the third one, the third one hits different. Yes, yes. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. The third one is my favorite. Speaking of the pencil scene, Gabriela, my lawyers will be in contact. Okay. I think the problem with the third one for me is that the reason we love John Wick is because it puts story over spectacle and then the third one was just pure spectacle, which I get it because it was basically paying off everything that is going to be everything that's happened and setting up everything that's going to happen. But again, why am I getting that I feel like you're basically giving me a prologue for the fourth film. So it was the build up for this yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> I need story. I just got puñitos. <laughs> we got good puñitos, Josie. I mean, watching John well Wick, that's lit. why you want to watch John Wick. That's why you want to watch John Wick. You want to watch John Wick because of puñitos, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag puñitos. Puñitos. Okay, this so... I think this category is a tie. (laughs) One next category. Take us away. But before we do, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening. And now back to this heated debate. So let's get into the next round, which I'm sure will cause a lot of chaos. And I know Ms. Gabriela is going to pop all the way off. We're talking about action scene and stunt choreography. Let's get into it. Now, both of these films are commended on their action scenes, on their stunt choreography. One of them even pushing the hardest in terms of trying to open a stunt category at the Oscars. So let's get into it. And I know Gabriela has a lot to say on this behalf. So it's only fair that she starts off this round So, Gabriela, lay it all on the floor. Listen, where do I even start? We have, first of all, in the third one, we have the horse scene. Like, John Wick chases people in motorcycles on a freaking horse. So, on a horse, through New York, shooting at people in motorcycles. And, like, he, like, rides... On the side of the horse to keep shooting people. What? Also, no horses were harmed in the making of that scene. So that that that's just, and then there's the motorcycle scene, which I saw the behind the behind the scenes of how they made it. And they had to use green screen for some parts of it, but then they filmed it like on the actual bridge. And also Keanu like does most of his stunts. The only thing that he doesn't do is when he John Wick gets run over by a car. 
those are the only scenes that he doesn't do. So he's the one that, you know, does all the fighting and riding the motorcycles and the horses. He does all of that. So, you know, there's the horse scene, which I love. Also, John Wick in the third one kills a man taller than him with a fucking book. I took notes on that scene because that was impressive. We also have in the second one so many long takes, specifically when John Wick and Cassian, which is Common's character, fight and they fall down the stairs and they go right through a window and land on the Italian continental and they have to stop fighting because they are now on continental grounds. I love that scene. And obviously the first one, the club scene is poetic cinema. It's brilliant. The way that 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 scene is shot and lit is absolutely brilliant, you know, because in John Wick, the use of color is very important because John Wick is always lit by blue light. So when the first example that I can say is when he like when the assassins go to his house in the first film, everything is blue. And so they walk into a blue light and that can only be named like the blue light of death because basically they're going to die. As soon as they walk into John's blue light, they're going to die. And so in the club scene, the bad people are lit by red. So the entire club is purple because of John's blue light and the ba- and the villain's red. So it you don't know who's going to come out of the club a al- of the club scene alive. And then the way that it's shot, it doesn't use the shaky cam, which I think that the shaky cam is very poor choice when you're shooting action because it doesn't let you appreciate it properly. So John Wick uses a lot steady cam and uses long take long takes. The one scene where the camera shakes, but it's not full shaky cam, is at the club scene. And it is because Theon Greyjoy, which is the guy that killed his dog, is running away from him because it represents his fear. So when you cut to him, the camera is shaking because he's scared. And when you cut to John, the camera is still because John is focused on killing him. And, you know, if they find these new these new ways and like they try to incorporate new things in every single film in the third one we had swords and knives you know that that in the opening scene where he just like throw john and the other assassins keep throwing knives at each other like that was amazing and then the final battle with john and the other assassins that are they have swords and then john like john like loses his sword so he has to use his belt (laughs) The action is so much fun, so well made, so immersive. And it also helps that Chad Stahelski, who's the director of the films, he was actually a stuntman in the Matrix films. So I think, you know, you can't compare John Wick action. It's just absolutely fantastic. You know, the use of color, the types of shots that they use. Everything is perfect. I love John Wick action and I will defend its honor so it amuses me so much that you always whenever we talk about john wick on the podcast you always talk about the lighting (laughs) which i think would have fit cinematography better but i will talk about it i will talk about it again (laughs) in cinematography i just i can't talk about john wick and not mention the lighting (laughs) it's just so great so my thing with this category is this is literally the reason why i made my chaotic tweet in the first place because i think kingsman is better than john wick in terms of stunt work and i know that sounds ludicrous to a lot of people they hear me out so before we get into that i just wanted to say that again the reason i wanted to do this episode is because i did want to highlight stunt work 
especially the mention of wanting to bring it into the Academy Awards. I think it is something that should be recognized, and I think it is something that should be awarded, not just in the Screen Actor Gu- Screen Actors Guild Awards, but um, yeah, in general, because it's no easy feat, and I think it should be rewarded because it, not just anyone can do it, clearly. So uh, a few things. John Wick, of course, stunt coordinators Chad Stahelski, who's also the director, and then Darren Prescott. Um, you also have the fact that it inspired films like Ryan the Last Dragon. Then with Kingsman, you have Bradley James Allen or Brad Allen, who's a supervising stunt coordinator uh, for the upcoming Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings as well. So we have some good people on these films that have experience and have been in the game for long and do put in the work and effort into these films. Now, in terms of how I would describe each film, I think John Wick is more cold and calculated stunt work, while the Kingsman films are more fluid, more seamless, which I'm really a fan of because it feels more like, ironically, more like if it were... So if it were dance, John Wick is more ballet, and then um, Kingsman is more contemporary. And I really like that, especially, it's just, man, I know I should be picking John Wick, but (laughs) I just love the church scene and the car scene in the second film. And I'll never forget the time I saw the behind the scenes of how they filmed that car scene. It just blows me away every time. I just love the Kingsman work. Also, I mean, Colin Firth trained to do his own stunts. There's also the church scene. Fun fact, if you didn't know, Screen Rant ran a couple of fun facts about the film. And the church scene took two weeks to film, but it looks like one take. And I love that. And then there's also the fact that the actors nearly drowned with their characters in that scene where they're underwater. The plan was to sink the set four feet at a time into a pool of water. Computers have been programmed to execute a controlled drop. Right as filming began, the computers malfunctioned and the actors plunged 20 feet, 25 feet down into the water. I just, I just want to give this category to them. So I also believe that stunt work is something that definitely needs to be recognized beyond the SAG Awards. I think it's very important that we honor the people who are actually risking their lives making these films. While there are also actors who train to do their own stunts and are able to do them on camera, it's the stunt workers who I feel deserve this honor and deserve the shout out. Now, what I like about both of these films is both of them use jujitsu moves in their fight choreography styles, and I really appreciate that. And I also learned that from one of my best friends who not only practices it, but is really great at it. So I know what I'm saying. Um, For me, John Wick, the fight scene that sticks out to me the most is the club scene with the lighting, as Gabriela says. But the Kingsman Church scene also hits really hard. Like, that is just fun. And also, even the action scene in the second film at Poppyland is also really good in terms of ingenuity, in terms of how they, but basically how Eggsy and the partner that that he is with. Redacted. (laughs) Thank you, Redacted. Is like they have these really cool moves and their weaponry is also really high tech and also really different and I love it. And it stuck with me more because John Wick is endless fighting. It's just fight on top of fight on top of fight on top of fight, especially in the third film where he's literally running for his life. For me, John Wick has... The club scene, but it also has in the third film, 
is probably my favorite part, the final showdown in the Continental Hotel itself, which I really enjoyed from a choreography perspective and from a character perspective because everyone was giving it their all. Yeah, also the glass castle. I called it I call it the glass castle. Yes. Yeah, I love that part. But also Kingsman also hit that church scene like First of all, let's just talk about how that was secretly a Trump rally and we didn't know it until later. <laughs> <laughs> also, they did the book thing before John Wick. Exactly. They used the Holy Bible as a weapon before John Wick used the Norton Shakespeare book. Let's but get into it. And John Wick, the guy was so much taller than him. It was just impressive, okay? He split his jaw open. <laughs> exactly. He broke his jaw and then broke his fucking neck. <laughs> Yeah, so an English major knows that they can use their Norton Shakespeare book and use Yes, that's exactly why I have that book. Like, come on, the flips, the tricks, the stabbings, the holy Holy Bible as a weapon. (laughs) Okay. You know how many people were screaming seeing that going, guess what I can do against my relatives if they piss me off? (laughs) You know there was one person in the audience thinking this. I appreciate that scene, but I honestly think that the one memorable action scene from the Kingsman films is the church scene. Because even though the action in the second one was good, it was not as memorable as the church scene in the first one, in my opinion. While in John Wick, you have memorable moments in every single film. All right, Anna, be the tiebreaker. Okay, so I do appreciate the church scene. I think it is the most memorable part in Kingsman. And it was really great, and I appreciate Colin first that he did the stunt all by himself. However, John Wick, when the first film came out, people started to talk about stunt coordination more because of that film. And honestly, John Wick has a lot, I feel that it has a lot of work going with stunt coordination in all of his movies. And it does have more memorable scenes than Kingsman. Like, can we talk about, I'm sorry, the third one. The third one hits best, okay? Especially yes. the one with the good boys and Halle Berry and John Wick. That scene was amazing. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Say it with your whole chest. And the last, okay, and the last part. The last fight. And the Continental, in the continental. yes. It just hits, okay? With the yes. score, amazing. Yes. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. So, okay, but also manners make it manners. Okay, I'm gonna give it to Kingsman because when it comes to their stunt coordination, <laughs> okay, in a part, I'm gonna give it to them because it's it, seamlessly it ties with the story in a sense, you know. But you watch John Wick because you want to watch the stunt coordinations, okay? Okay, but also the final scene in the first film, the final fight scene. Where Eggsy's fighting Giselle and the eight, the hunt, the henchman, and how he's also doing these flips while shooting people, taking guns. That's like his first actual mission. We're not going to discredit him in that sense either. Okay, but is it that memorable? I don't think it's so. not. I don't <laughs> even remember <laughs> that fight. I just remember the church scene. That's exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, no. That final that- fight when he's trying to get to Valentine, that's a good one. I mean, she has freaking blades for feet. Uh-huh. Like, she has ice picks for feet. Oh, and the opening scene. The opening scene in Kingsman. 
how it takes a James Bond twist and then boom, the guy is sliced in half with what? Her legs. Not an actual, an actual thing that happened because she has blades for legs. And she's like, well, I'll take this drink that you were preparing. And I'm here like, that is fierce. That is amazing. I'm supposed to hate you, but also stunt on these hoes with those blades. Okay, so this category is clearly tied, and yeah. I don't mind. There's stunt condemnation in John Wick in every scene. <laughs> exactly. It's a work of art. And also, okay. fun fact, the first <laughs> film and the second film of John Wick and Kingsman released in the same year. Yes, my conspiracy. You're going with my conspiracy. Okay, I was talking to this. I was talking about this to Juan yesterday. I find it so amusing how Kingsman One and John Wick One were both released in 2014. Kingsman Two and John Wick Two were both released in 2017. So it's a tie. Jesus, we're never getting anywhere with these ties. No. We might as well be called Macy's because of all these ties. (laughs) So let's get into the next category: cinematography. And we've used this word a lot on our podcast. So let's use it to figure out if there can finally be a tiebreaker. Josie, let's talk about cinematography in the Kingsman series. Let's give it up for George Richmond for the cinematography in Kingsman. So Gabriela is going to definitely fight me on this. But come on. I will fight you. (laughs) the use of color in this film as well excuse me yes jesus no you haven't seen seen this film in a while then and also the like the camera blocking the camera movements yeah everything is spaced so well the way that everything is centralized because i love me some good centralized cinematography also just again the camera movements everything goes well and moves fluidly with the characters all right gabriela we know you have a lot to say on cinematography and john wick besides the colors go off sis have i mentioned the long takes and the long shots that are used in the john wick franchise Honey, if this were a drinking game, I'm sure I'd be blacked out drunk by now. Go on. <laughs> the use of long shots in action film is very rare. Not a lot of people do so. But John Wick does it. And the biggest example of it is in the second film when they're in Italy, which is your favorite John Wick film, Josie. So I'm putting you on the spotlight. <laughs> Where they fall down the stairs. They just keep falling down the stairs and they keep falling and punching each other as they fall. And the camera never stops rolling. Objection. Yeah. Prosecution is leading the witness. Sustained. <laughs> you may proceed. So they use long shots in a brilliant way. I love that scene. And I personally never get tired of watching it. Some people might be like, but why do you keep the long takes? Like, just stop it. You know that they're, they're going to keep fighting. Well, no, don't stop it because it's art. Look at those two falling down their stairs and then falling through a window. And again, the lack of shaky cam is gives it its strength because we can appreciate the action due to the steadiness of the camera the action is shot perfectly because it is shot in a way that you feel that you are seeing it all that you're not missing a single punch so i'm sorry like cinematography wise john wick and it was nominated for the film poster awards last year so don't come and tell me that John Wick doesn't have good cinematography when we nominated it for the FPAs in 2020. 
Kingsman hasn't come out with a film since we started Film Posers. Bill. <laughs> I'm sure if Kingsman, the third one, came out this year, we would have put it in there. But let me just highlight something. So Kingsman, the Golden Circle. So when Richmond came back, he wanted to reprise the Silas symmetry and tongue-in-cheek tone they created for the original film, right? So to expand on that, they chose Hawk V-Light and V-Plus anamorphic lenses and Ari Alexa cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and the 35 millimeter focal length plus 50, 75, and 100 millimeter lenses that allow you to have integral flares and, the, and they allow for softening the highlights of the film, which is why it makes it look in like less technical terms pretty. And you also stretch the background of the film that you're watching, which allows you to pay more attention to the production design because they put so much detail into the production design, especially Poppy's layer. Can you say that about John Wick? <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, the library is open. Okay. Put your reading glasses okay. on. John Wick does not use as much green screen. Oops. There is a lack of green screen. No, it's not like they don't they like don't use it because they obviously use it for some scenes, but most of the time they don't use green screen. I'm sorry, but did you want Roxy to go up all the way into space when she has those balloons in Kingsman 1? And then you wanted her to like blow up in real time and be like, listen, I can save myself. Is that what you were yeah. expecting? I think that's a different case because, again, the story, and like I said at the beginning, the story for Kingsman is a little bit more otherworldly. Anna, what are your <laughs> thoughts on the cinematography? Ma'am, I am conflicted because the fucking Josie viene. These are all the technical aspects she just listed out. I was like, man, <laughs> prepared, okay? <laughs> Sense. But also, the reading challenge. Okay, both of y'all. <laughs> gave good pointers because Gabriela said a lot of things with the lighting that I agree with her. I think it's amazing. I love the metaphor of it. However, I also like how Kingsman, especially in the stone coronation scenes, the camera moves with Colin first, especially in the church scene. And I really love that. I love how it's fast editing, fast pace. I like that. So I am conflicted. <laughs> In this category. <laughs> yeah, because because again, the thing with Kingsman is that while a stunt work can be shot in 40 seconds, it is elong is elongated to make it feel like it could be five minutes. He takes you through every movement. He takes you through every moment. While the problem is, well, again, the thing with John Wick is that it's supposed to be technical and it's supposed to be quick. So again, that goes to style. But that's why I like the, the Kingsman films. Because again, the cinematography purposefully elevates the stunt work. It does. I do agree. Yeah. And in John Wick, was a character. we see that. But John Wick has a lot of still, like, still shots. You know? Exactly, which allows you to appreciate the action more because you can see it. There's no shaky cam. True, but I also feel that with Kingsman, like, you get hyped up with the character, you know? You don't get hyped up in John Wick. I, I do, but I mean, the camera moves with the character. It gives you every little stunt that he has. It's time to vote because your vote matters. Josie, let's start with you. Kingsman, take it or leave it. We can already assume that Gabriela will say John Wick. Yes. So let's save her the time. John Wick. Anna. I do. <laughs> what it's did you enjoy easy. more? Don't feel pressured by Gabriela. Hey! 
It's okay. We understand, Anna. You just need to tell us what you enjoyed more cinematographically. Okay. While John Wick is aesthetically pleasing, I enjoyed and I was really entertained by the cinematography and Kingsman in the fighting scenes. I'm sorry, Gabriel. Damn it. Don't be sorry. Just be fierce. And we'll move on to my voting of cinematography going to Kingsman, which means Kingsman has won the cinematography round three to one. And we know Gabriela is shaken. She is stirred. She is going through it. But don't worry, Gabriela, you have one category left. And we're going to get into that final category right now. Leading men. Now, action films. We always need a strong lead, whether it be male, female anyone. We just need a strong leading character. We know that the John Wick and Kingsman franchises have very captivating and thrilling performances by these men. So, who stands out the most? Gabriela, we know there's a Keanu episode, but we know you're gonna pop off. I love Keanu, but I just have a feeling that the argument against him is that he's, he keeps the same expression in his face throughout the entirety of the films. <laughs> like, I just know that that's what, Josie go- that, that's what Josie's going to use against him. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the character of John Wick is also very deeply inspired by Keanu's personal life. Because John Wick is a character that's dealing with grief and all of the emotions that come with that. And Keanu has had a lot of grief in, in his life. And he has said that making the, these films have, has helped him cope with everything that has, that has happened to him in his life. And I think that's something that you see. I think that's why it feels so genuine. Because many of the emotions that John Wick feels are also the ones that Keanu has felt. So I think that's why, you know, when John, John Wick feels very vulnerable in some parts and it feels very real and it's because of that. And again, like he's a stone, stone cold killer. But I also love how when he kills, there's also a focus in his eyes because he looks at his victims in the eyes when he kills them. So I think it's also very interesting because he recognizes what he's doing that he's doing it to survive and there's there's no enjoyment in it and how he only harms those that he needs to harm he doesn't harm innocence so i think he's a a good action hero or anti-hero because he has boundaries and he sticks to them because again even though he had performed the impossible task which as vigo said that the bodies that he that were that he killed that day built the foundation of what the continental is of what the assassins are you know it's not like he's completely innocent because he's a stone cold killer and keanu has said that if there were to be a john wick prequel people would sympathize with him less if we were to learn what his younger years were like before the start of the john wick film so I think that there are many layers to this character that we are slowly getting to uncover. Because again, we are on the third film and there are two more planned. 
So he's a very layered character that we will find out more about. Regardless of Keanu's acting, <laughs> John Wick is a good character. And I would love to find out more about him. Also to add to Gabriela's argument, if there was a movie about Keanu Reeves reading the phone book out loud for five hours, Gabriela would also watch this film. I would, yes. Josie, tell us about our Rocket Man from Kingsman. I mean, this film did allow for Rocket Man to be a worthy match, so let's give it that as well. But also this film, I mean, this is what basically jump-started his career. And it goes to say that he's a phenomenal actor in this film. He's very charming and loving, which is what Eggsy is supposed to be. Because, if you again, it's not a romantic comedy, but I think Eggsy had to be very likable. Because it's also kind of like, again, it is a spy parody film. Therefore, you think of one of the best spy parody films out there, Austin Powers. You know that you watch it because, I mean... Myers is hilarious in it. So you need a good character that has multiple facets and multiple ways of tackling his character that you can follow. And he also just works really well with others in terms of character interactions and you really want him to succeed. So again, the thing with John Wick's character is that he only has one layer, one dimension, but it's on purpose because I he does not express that many emotions because basically his way of dealing with his grief is through his actions. But I just want to... It hurts me because I would love to give it to John Wick. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to Kingsman because I think that there's a really good progression in character when it comes to Eggsy from the beginning to the end in the first film. In the second film, we've already seen him, so it's mostly seeing how he interacts with this new world and jumping the pond, as they say. But in the first film, I mean, he goes from basically a petty criminal to this very secure young man. And there's also the backstory about his father and how it plays with Colin Firth's character. Just the relationship they share and how... Again, found families and everything, it just all ties in back full circle into full golden circle, haha, <laughs> into Eggsy as a character. So I really like him. I think he's suave, sophisticated, and very charming. Anna, what are your thoughts on these men? So I feel that Eggsy is a character that I like how throughout the film he progresses and he learns. However, I lean towards more John Wick because he is such a complex and mysterious character. And within each film, you just kind of want to know more about him, even though he, he, he's emotionalist in a way, but it's because of what happened to him. So I don't know. I just want to know more about his character. That's the thing. It yeah, you stick to it because yeah, you stick to it because of the mystery. Like, who is this person? What happened to him? What's going on? Exactly, and in a certain way, you see him. Even though he is an assassin, and you see him killing people, he he picks specific people who kills, and he also sympathizes in a way in some of the like characters that he chooses not to kill. And I don't know, I. I just want to know more about John Wick. <laughs> He's such a mysterious character, and that's why I lean towards him in this category. Now, 
I really, really, really like Keanu Reeves. And when it comes to people saying he doesn't have emotions, I kind of disagree. Like, I get it. Maybe one Keanu character is very similar to another Keanu character. But here, he makes John Wick stand out. And I really... I mean, with John Wick, it's done on purpose. I'm not gonna... I'm gonna... Like, people that say that he's emotional... No, it's done on purpose in this character. I mean, he's a cold-blooded character. He's a cold-blooded killer. He has to be focused. Exactly. It's like Nicolas Cage in Willy's Wonderland, which you should all check out as a rental. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Juan. (laughs) You're welcome. The Nicolas Cage agenda. (laughs) But back to this debate. Oh my gosh. I like what Keanu does with John Wick here. I think if you would have given this role to a lot of other actors, I don't think they could have brought to the role what Keanu does, which I really appreciate. And I really like that we get that perfect casting moment because I think Gabriela can agree with me. John Wick wouldn't have worked without Keanu. What do you think? It wouldn't have. Not to the degree that it does, that it has a cult fan base, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, and however, I really love and discovering Taron Edgerton with Kingsman 1 and Kingsman, The Golden Circle. I just really like him. I love what he does with Eggsy. I agree with Josie. He's so likable. You want to root for him. You see his vulnerability in the first film, how he wants to protect his mom. And he really just goes for it. And at the moment, at that time when the movie came out, I didn't know who Taron Egerton was. But after seeing Kingsman, I immediately associate him with that and Rocket Man. And I'm also someone who's like, I need to watch what else he does. As a leading man in both of these films, I think they both deliver from their own perspectives, in their own respectives. And they both make it entertaining and they both make it to the point where. If they wouldn't have been in it, it, they wouldn't have worked as well as they do, which I think is great. Who did I enjoy more? Kingsman. Definitely. I really like Kingsman. I really thought I was more entertained. I was more convinced by Taron Egerton. Yes. Yeah, I think this one just goes into personal taste because, again, Kingsman is a lot lighter, even though it does have dark themes. And then, of course, John Wick is a lot darker and more cold and calculated because it. I mean, you see John Wick, he's literally just a focused killer. (laughs) That's what you're following. That's what you're getting. So it also goes, it's very subjective. So it's safe to say that this round is also tied. Yes. And now we've reached the final part of our episode where we decide what team are you officially on? Team Edward, Team Jacob, Team Kong, Team Gallina de Palo. We've seen it all. And now, are you Team John Wick? Or Team Kingsman? Gabriela, we know the answer. But enlighten the audience just to make sure. John Wick, baby. Josie? Manners maketh man. Anna? Up until this moment, given that you've only seen a select few of the films, where do you stand on the teams? I'm going with Team John Wick. I shall see you in court. Thank you, Anna. I have but one photograph in my hand. One. (laughs) (laughs) And this photograph will determine the winner 
of America's Next Top Model. And I am Team Kingsman. Okay, honestly, see, for Raporesa, I think John Wick would win America's Next Top Model. He's always serving face. Exactly. Excuse me, but the King's <laughs> Excuse me. The Kingsman Golden Circle Orange Suit did not have to hit that hard, but it did. True. And they both have tailors. They both have fancy tailors. They both are serving suits. They are telling the men that they need to step it up in those departments and stop wearing black Thank suits. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, let's talk about this. Some people honestly came into my mention saying that this these two films could not be compared, but clearly we've proven that they're both good in their own right and they both have elements that are pretty similar. I mean, they they have the same characters in different with different people. You have the same archetypes, then you also have the same situation where it's like secret services and like um hidden communities underground communities and you also have the training and one is ballet while the other one is arthurian legends and you have all of this and at the end of the day it's all good and they all take from similar inspirations and similar story devices and again similar archetypes and so it's time to find out our final scores now i have been keeping tally throughout this entire debate of who voted for what and who ultimately won their respective categories. So, John Wick won one category, known as world building. We have five ties brought to you by Burlington Coat Factory, and we have Kingsman, who won cinematography and story. So by default, given that the ties automatically null themselves, Kingsman beat John Wick to to one. So the winner of this debate, due to math, is Kingsman. Due to math. The, the disrespect. The process of elimination can work. Math has defeated me once more. I didn't know who to thank. I mean, thank you all for putting up with me. Thank you for putting up with this episode idea. Thank you for this concept. I had fun. I hope you had fun. At the end of the day, they're both wonderful. They all, they both deserve the prize. And we all know that John Wick is good, but Kingsman is also good. So do not disrespect the name. That's all, folks. See you next time. I'm retiring. And while Josie heads to Disneyland, we are going to let you know that you can see John Wick 1 and John Wick 2 on Peacock for free. So you can rewatch those on the streaming service known as Peacock. And as for Kingsman 1 and 2, well, unfortunately, you can only rent or purchase those films. But if you have cable and you have the FX network or the FXX network, usually they play it from time to time. They play those films, sometimes a double feature. So keep an eye out for those. And as for John Wick 3, I have understood that with your Hulu subscription and the Cinemax add-on, you can watch it through there, or you can rent it. Totally up to you. That's all for today's episode. We'd like to thank you for listening and to give a shout-out to all the kind people sending love our way. If you'd like to keep up with us, make sure to follow us at Film Posers on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Where can they find you, Posers? You can find me on Twitter at Gabby underscore Burgos 27, on Instagram at Gabby Cristina 27, and on Letterboxd at Gabby Cristina. 
You can find me as Anna underscore Sofia 53 on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find me as Anna underscore Sofia on Letterboxd. You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Leading Mohicans. And you can also find me discussing Willy's Wonderland in our What We Watched Recently episode. And you can find me at the Josie Marie on Twitter and Letterboxd. Again, thank you for listening. And remember, we're all film posers. Bye. Bye. Bye.